My name is Steve Cuff, and joining me on this beautiful evening is Adam Myros. Well, Steve, after uh, the last few episodes of Caustic Content, I, I'm glad we're having a chance to watch some great movies uh, for the Opfatcast. <laughs> are we? Are we really? Is yeah, that, is that yeah. what's happening? Uh, that's the format, right? Yeah, that's the format. This is where we talk about movies that we like, and they're not just terrible, because we like good things. That's what we do. Uh uh, well, you know what? Friendly reminder to this entire fucking podcast, besides your boss, your spouse, and your kid, Sean Glynis is the most important name on your call sheet. Delay that call at your own risk. Sean, how you doing? Uh, I, I'm doing really well. How are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad that you're, you're just having a, a good, normal day. Good and normal is my MO. Um, That's right. I do want to uh, litigate something, but uh, I'll wait for the intros. That's fair. That's fair. Also joining us today, and yeah, I'm deadly serious, 110%, because the news waits for no one. You can call back that studio head or that major agent in 10 minutes, but Jack Eason, you can risk it. But in that 10 minutes, Jack Eason can fuck up your day pretty easily. Jack, how you doing? Uh, yeah, how's your day doing? That's that's what I'm interested about. Uh, I, I, I'm also having a normal one. I, I don't okay. know about you. For now, unless you don't answer that call. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, and I've been saying this in newsrooms for years, uh, name a person <laughs> and Jake Trapilo will give you a scenario in which he's a more important person to call back. Go ahead. Spielberg, uh doesn't matter because they won't put what you don't want out there on the internet. Simple math, really. Jake, how you doing? Hey, there's a reason I'm still working, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love film Twitter. Film Twitter is the best place on the internet. It really makes me happy. Well, gentlemen, uh, we we got we got some good movies to talk about today, and by good movies, I don't know if I necessarily mean good, but. Before we get to that, I thought in the spirit of film Twitter, uh, we would we would kind of, you know, jazz things up a little bit. One thing that we're lacking in our podcast, and this is based on feedback as well as my own observations. Surveys, readership, are, listenership, surveys. Yeah, yeah, pretty much all that. And uh, also just like general horniness. <laughs> you feel a lack of horny on this podcast? Uh, I feel a lack of horny every day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, and, but this isn't just about your libido, Myros. It's about, you know, given... Really, when people listen to us, we want them to, you know, hopefully glean some valuable insights from our podcast. But also, I like to think that each and every one of our of our listeners is just cranking their hog Listen to what we have to say, right? Or flicking their bean. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, in order to get you guys in the mood... I thought I would I would read a a few excerpts from a classic piece by uh, friend of the show and Optimism Vaccine favorite Big Dave Earlicks. What do you guys think about that? Uh, how did you get to such content? Seeing uh, seeing as how you were behind the block wall. 
I, I am behind the block wall. Big Dave did block me. You ever say, uh, Dave, I still, how, tear I down I that block wall. Yeah, and Dave just doesn't listen. Uh, it's it's really sad. It's been it's been a tough couple of months for me since Big Dave blocked me. And also, how the fuck did I get blocked but Jack didn't? What the fuck? <laughs> Jack uh, is way meaner to Big Dave than me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I, I'm just likable. Obviously, he's still <laughs> dipping in because he's he's really just interested in what I have to say about things. I just, he's just, he just, it- he took umbrage with the fact that I didn't quite believe he was able to end gun violence by sitting through 31 hours of movies while patting himself <laughs> on the back. And uh, boy, was I wrong! I believe gun violence is over now. So well done, Dave. Yeah. Go- he did. He ended it. Um, so that that thing that happened outside of Madison, Wisconsin yesterday, that actually that that wasn't a shooting at all. No, that's fine. If uh, anyone, would like for... to, anyone would like to just contribute to my Kickstarter, I'm going to watch some movies and then take credit for some stuff. Um, yeah, feel free. Just talk about me. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, GoFundMe backslash Jack Eason. Uh, that's that's the what place is to this go to. Piece? What's this lovely prose you have for us, Steve? Oh, this. Are, are are you ready? What's what's your horny level at right now, buddy? Oh, oh, oh. Uh, it's simmering. It's simmering? Oh, you're about to come to a rolling boil, motherfucker. So this came to my attention because Big Dave obviously has been doing shitty things on the internet for a while, but before he became editor-in-chief of IndieWire, where he routinely underpays freelancers, he actually did a lot of work for various websites, including Reverse Shot, which is a website that I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I don't know how he got on there. Yeah. I don't know either, but, you know, things slip through the cracks. And he decided to do a little close reading of the opening shot of Lost in Translation, which, if you guys remember, is uh, Scarlett Johansson's butt. So... Cue the sexy music. In fact, I'm going to drop that in right here. There we go. That's that's getting me in the mood. I am just, I am fucking rock hard, man. Call me Mr. Granite. Woo. Here we go. <clears throat> Beyond the Pale, Big Dave Earlicks on Lost in Translation. Scarlett Johansson's rear end opens lost in translation like a monolith knocks sideways. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like, I mean, here's where my horniness is right now, just right off the bat. Like, I feel like I'm watching 2001 and the monkeys with the bones just knock that fucking big black block over and they're all just fucking it right now. Is that what you're feeling? Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So there it is. The film's first image, expelling us from the darkness and into the delicate pink glow of sheer Oryx underwear, split down the middle by a thin black line. That's her butt crack (laughs) that runs up the girl's legs like a secret. Indeed, nearly everything about her is a mystery. The still frame telling us only that she's young and comfortable with soft <laughs> ska- salmon skin <laughs> that wouldn't really be distinguishable from her clothing if not for the seams. Um, she, so, you know, yeah, she, she, she's 17 at this point. <laughs> this, yeah, she's, <laughs> this is a 911 call. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. 
this is she is most certainly 17 years old and also he's getting turbo horny for fish skin in case yeah, you this didn't is catch not that. the first that time that, salmon skin this is not the first time that uh big dave has been okay publishing just like super horny uh film criti- well uh, in quotes the film criticism um heavy film finger yeah, quotes yeah Yeah, our boy is fucking horny on Maine 24-7. He is very into tweeting horny things on Twitter. So let me me get to the next paragraph, and I'm going to give you a little bit from the end, because he's basically just like, you know, waxing on that booty for mm, about a dozen paragraphs here. So the cinema is home to any number of legendary asses. (laughs) Uh, Bardo Balthazar, Brett Ratner. Mmm. And that's just a sample of the bees. That is literally a college freshman winging it in the opening draft <laughs> of like a film theory class they had to go to. Though yeah. the cinema is the uh, home of many asses. In this essay, <laughs> I will demonstrate that. It's like Brett Ratner. Also Brett Ratner. <laughs> that's, how, that's how fucking rock hardy is right now. His fucking diamond cock talking about Brett Ratner. It's, it's really a beautiful thing. So, (laughs) he goes on. Filmmakers have used them (laughs) to a wide variety of ends. Get it? (laughs) Good good pun. Most often to tease, tempt, or titillate. But Sofia Coppola uses Scarlett Johansson's as a cry for help. Which, I I feel like this entire article is a cry for help. (laughs) It's a 911 call again. (laughs) It is. It is. (laughs) Her script begins, the back of a girl in pink underwear. She leans at a big window looking over Tokyo. The writing is lucid and spare, but the image, as it appears in the finished film, offers even less information. Most critically, the curtain on that big window is pulled close. The unmistakable sight of Tokyo blinking in the distance might have normalized the frame, deflating the image of its mystery and reducing its components to their most blunt interpretations. That's Tokyo. That's a crisp hotel bed. And that's a privileged white ass. God, he's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm I'm moving down to the end. <laughs> you mean where where Ehrlich started? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. But like, it's great because each. I love how the opening sentence of each paragraph goes back to the underpants. He's very, very into the underpants. Uh, but I, I like this. It's actually the second to last one because in the last paragraph he kind of betrays the thesis here, and he talks about the uh, often discussed like secret last lines of the film where we can't hear what she's saying to him. Uh, her pink panties aren't merely a safety blanket, but something she wears because she's afraid that she might not recognize herself if she doesn't. If Charlotte were only interested in stasis, the film around her might feel irreparably petulant and entitled. But the pink of her underwear immediately identifies Charlotte as someone who isn't interested in staying a child. She's, she's literally a child. Dave, she's a fucking child. So much as she be, is becoming a, the woman she knows herself capable of being. Uh, more like the woman Dave wants her to be. Oh my yeah, God. big Dave! I, I cut out on that essay like way earlier yeah, than you. I did yeah, not yeah. realize. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! 
Um, uh, it, it's uh, it's uh, it's horny as hell, boys. Does, that's, it, does that's anyone have we... his wife's Twitter handle? Should she see this? I'm sure she, she can't be know. on Twitter. <laughs> right? wanna... She can't be. Like for her, she own. no. There's be, no way. How could you be in a room with Dave Ehrlich? I feel like he just talks in shitty leads all day. Like, how oh would yeah. You, I don't um, know. She. I mean, I would like to think that she would divorce him immediately if she read this. Uh, I certainly would. Um, I, I don't, don't know, know though. I mean, maybe maybe she, maybe she's into Seriously, it. That's more troubling say. than the testimony of the Jodie Foster stalker trial. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, I want to. I want to. Like I said, I wanted to litigate something. If we can move away from this for a minute. Um, wait, wait, let me please. let me turn off the sexy music. Anus, anus, anus. No! Okay, sexy music's off. We're good. Okay, good. Yeah, we don't need. Well, maybe we do need the sexy music yeah. for this. Um, I mean, I don't need you to litigate anything with an erection, Sean. So <laughs> just calm it down. Calm it the fuck down. Uh. I was just taking umbrage with uh, some of the dirt that uh, Jack's Pizza has been uh, dragged in uh, on our message board. Wait, ja- Jack is in, not, not, not Jack, Jack Eason. Eason. You mean like it's actual Jack's pizza. Okay, pizza. I was Jack's very confused pizza. that I had pizza, right? I don't. No. It's disappointing no, that Jack's, I don't now. Jack's brand. I feel like pizza. Sean's talking about the subhuman uh, cracker covered in plasticine cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Jack's Jack's is five for ten dollars, and you will fucking not put their name in your filthy mouth, Adam Myros. Yeah, it's like one step up from Totino's. I do, mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, okay. So I, you know, I like my Totino's, but like so my college roommate and I used to get Totino's every once in a while. But you know what else we had to buy with Totino's? A bag of mozzarella cheese to supplement the cheese that Totino's puts on or doesn't put on. You, you, oh, yeah. you can't you expect that. that from Jax. Jax covers it. it well, and, and what is what uh, graciously be described as cheese, perhaps. <laughs> All I know is that it's great, and it makes my mouth feel like a like a deserted war war zone after. But um, I I enjoy every second of, of eating it. Well, wow, what's that cover or that copy on the back of each pizza <laughs> makes my mouth feel like a dessert? I mean, it's, it's just a sodium pop. But but like, I just don't understand how you can eat that and be like, "This is trash." It's so good. Am I wrong? Uh, I mean, Sean, let me tell you something. Right now, I'm I'm inches inches away from my freezer, and I could open it up right now and tell you that I've got two pepperoni jacks and. A Mexican Jack's pizza oh. in my freezer. Do you have the rising crust or the, oh, yeah. or the thin? Uh, I just I go I go for the thin because yeah. they are five for ten dollars. Yeah, but yeah. let me tell you something. I've never been south of the border to the land that you call Mexico. <laughs> but I will fuck. tell you, I feel like I've I've had a real cultural experience by eating the Jack's Mexican pizza. Those are good. Oh, Steve, you, Steve, you should go south of the border. Dave Ehrlich recommends. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like every every time I've talked to Dave, he just keeps trying to convince me to go to Thailand or the Philippines. I don't I don't understand why. Oh, I thought that he's, was he's like, like uh, he's really cryptic about it. I thought that was like an analingus joke here, which which is probably a preferable taste on the tongue to Jack's pizza. Uh, <laughs> just I bring mean, your own salt, I guess. We're not we're not yeah. all above being sad bastards and eating a Jack's pizza, I'd say. But oh, uh, I'm happy as a I feel as if every I feel as if every option in your grocery freezer pizza aisle is superior to Jack's. I feel bad. Is there a superior 
Is there a superior poverty pizza though? Well, I, I feel Would, bad because I skipped. I skipped. Yeah, I skipped it wrong. I just go Totino's to Red Baron. I haven't tried oh, the, the uh, yeah. area okay. in between. So, uh, Jake, do you, uh, Jake, do you eat frozen pizza? I do. Well, you get this um, this wood yeah, California pizza, pizza. from, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. from uh, Trader Joe's. It's pretty good. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I, I thought you were gonna go with the uh, the the CPK yeah. since you're LA boy. No, so I, I haven't made the CPK in years. For, yeah, Trader Joe's is probably good. Frozen as well. It's not that not that good. Uh, I do I do, I do like a good thin crust though. As, as crazy as that might sound to some of you on this panel, hey, the thin me. crust is my jam. I I follow up question, Jake. Yes, follow up question, Jake. Do they do they have jacks on the on the West Coast? Is that a thing? They I don't. Have I can't to. remember when I lived in California if we had jacks or not. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. They have to. No, I'm pretty sure okay. we. Had, I, I appreciate. Sure. Okay. So so Jake, here's what I'm going to do for you. Sure. Um, as as your your close personal friend, when I attend your wedding, I'm going to stuff a bunch of Jack's frozen pizza in my suitcase, and uh, I'm going I'm going to bring you some. I for your wedding, look forward to your wedding it. night. You should bring them to the Mexican, wedding and just hand yeah. them to the caterer and ask them to fire them up and hand them out. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wonderful idea. Uh, Myros, I have a question. Would you rather have... Yes. Uh, well, first, it's a it's a two, two-pronged question. When was the last time you had Jack's? Oh, it, I, I have swore it off. I haven't had it in years. <laughs> okay, would you uh, rather these days, have... If I want to have a pizza, I just, I'll just pop to the, the Caesars and get a, a good Michigan-Detroit-style deep dish. Uh, it's like uh, it's like six dollars. I think sure. I can afford it. I, I I I like the diverse taste of uh, frozen as a uh, you know as as just a different entity uh, from fresh pizza. But um, would you rather have Jacks or Bagel Bites? Oh God, Jacks! I'm gonna go with Jacks on that. Okay, a bagel Thank you. bite. Wait, wait, wait. P- no. pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening, pizza at supper time. When pizza's on a bagel, you can have pizza anytime. Have you considered that for a second? It's like eating a, a rubber bouncy ball or something. Okay, what about Totino's pizza <laughs> yeah. rolls? I'm gonna go with the pizza roll. <laughs> yeah, I like what a good. I like a good roll. I like. A Here's good the roll. thing: Has anyone with all this technology we've invented? Has anyone invented a pizza roll that you can cook in the oven that doesn't just like pop? cheese out everywhere no. when it's cooking. Uh, yes, actually. So, uh, this is... <laughs> let me tell you a quick story about the perfect pizza roll. Um, <laughs> a few years ago, I went to Minneapolis, Minnesota to, with uh, uh, Optimism Vaccine contributor Stephen Coleman, and we went to go visit friend of the show, Casey Carmody, and there was a, a professional wrestling event that we were watching on TV called the Royal Rumble, and while we were watching the Royal Rumble... They have this tradition where in order to get into the Royal Rumble party, you have to bring two bags of pizza rolls. And then they have this this rotating, like, pizza laser machine called the Pizza Pizzazz. And they, they dump all the pizza rolls on there, and it just fucking, like, I don't know what it does. It just shoots laser beams at the pizza while this, like, circular plate rotates. And uh, it's all external, too. This isn't like a microwave. There's no fucking door. You're exposed to the elements here. And it makes the perfect pizza roll. And then they put them into what uh, literally a pig's slop bucket. And then they pass it around the room. And that's, that's how they spend the Royal Rumble in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
If you're curious uh, what a pizza pizzazz is, I'd encourage you to just go to any garage sale ever held and find a pizza pizzazz. <laughs> That's correct. It is, and I don't know why. Who would get rid of it? It makes the perfect pizza and the perfect pizza roll, and the, the pizza rolls don't explode either. It's fucking beautiful, man. Huh. I didn't know about this. Yeah, I've learned yeah. something. I think this has actually right. been more useful than our usual cast. <laughs> so I'm on, a, You're you know, You're I'm on a website right now called uh, jackspizza.com. Is the logo, let me ask, does the logo look like it's from a ballpark? Like yes. It's a, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's a yes. There's a picture <laughs> of a cheese pizza on the front page, and I have to say, uh, this looks repulsive. <laughs> well, that's marketing. That is the worst-looking uh, cheese I've ever seen on any pizza. I wouldn't do you recognize that. the label at all. It's oh. real. That's marketing, says Sean. Because normally in marketing, you pick the worst. <laughs> yes, marketing appeals to the blind people with the broken hands. Sorry, go ahead. Hey, do you do you do you recognize? <laughs> can, I, it, can I be completely honest with you guys? Do I like what? <laughs> yeah. Have you? Do you recognize it? I don't know. I don't. I've never They're, seen this pizza okay, before. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. It's, Steve. It's too much cheese. Okay. It's bad. I, I was. I was just saying that there's there's two things that I noticed because I just hopped on the Jack's Pizza website myself. Uh, one, it, it says that it's made with 100 percent real Wisconsin cheese. I believe that's a lie. Oh yeah. Two, <laughs> it's made with 100 percent whatever's left in Wisconsin cheese vats after they hose it down. Yeah, that's that's more that's more likely. And then, and then also, Tina's probably take their share. Scrolling down also, on this, so, I just uh, to the real photos. I I could I could take a slice of that. I don't know. See, and, and the thing is, though, is I'm looking at the, the pictures of the Jack's Pizza, and I'm realizing this is like best case scenario Jack's Pizza. This is like <laughs> the ideal Jack's Pizza that you will never see in your entire life. So, what you're seeing, if this disgusts you, my boy, you are in for something when you ha- when you yeah. have one. Also. I would like to point out that they are encouraging us to grill a Jack's pizza, <laughs> which seems like a bad idea because, one, that's a lot of work. Two, it is nigh impossible to cook a Jack's pizza because it is basically a saltine cracker with plastic <laughs> cheese on it. If you just cook it in the oven the normal way, you're going to burn the fuck out of it no matter what. That's part you of know the process. What? Yeah. You know what I've done, though? You know what I've done uh, <clears throat> during a campfire once? Uh, or like a camping trip, me and a friend went to like an Aldi's or something and got like a couple of Totinos, those like personal size Totinos, and made those uh, like using sticks like on a campfire. Oh, oh that was delicious! Jesus Christ! <laughs> like, so, so wait, okay, I have a few questions here. Yeah. Firstly, aren't all Totinos personal size? Sure, I'm, sure, I'm, I guess. They, yeah, they only come in one okay. rectangle. <laughs> Secondly, do you like do you thaw them out before jamming a stick through them, or is this from frozen? Uh, they were just in like the you know like the open uh, grocer thing you know like uh, where cheese is sometimes or orange juice has like sort of the open to- thing that like you reach down into. But uh, they're frozen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were Part frozen. They were frozen enough. But anyway, we we just yeah we we just took them straight to the campsite and uh, opened them, put them on uh, like a stick, like sort of like a multi pronged stick, and put them over the fire. They this tasted is like shit so that good. a hobo would turn down. <laughs> no, no, no. This is fucking. Uh, this is fucking nightmare bedtime stories with Sean Glennis. <laughs> you guys so, are so, Gordon, This is a Gordon Ramsay episode that's about to go off. So, Jake, if you think this cheese looks disgusting, let me assure you, if you were to pop this baby in the oven at, like, 425, (laughs) 
and and check on it after uh, 20 minutes, you would find the cheese has yet to begin to melt. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know what else is funny? Torch this with a flamethrower before I consider eating it. You mean brulee? Um, you, you've, you know what else is interesting about the Wisconsin cheese thing? That in Wisconsin... What's that, uh, At a couple, like, bars... Uh, like uh, in Milwaukee, like Blackbird and Foundation, for instance, they like the only thing food wise that they will serve is a Jack's pizza that has like gone that has passed through like this portable oven and then they sell it for like eight bucks oh, yeah. or ten bucks or something. <laughs> dude, dude. Okay, so there is there is a local Milwaukee company that makes mm. Jack's pizza like it's a Jack's pizza clone it's called palermo's and it's just jacks but only in milwaukee and even cheaper only in so, milwaukee you know, baby worse but there is a bar that i like to go to because there's a dog that lives in the bar and you can pet him on the head it's called the newport and at the newport they serve a special fucking palermo's pizza where they dump like 65 pounds of cheese on top of the frozen pizza. <laughs> so it, it just masks the jacksness of everything, and it's the most beautiful, special thing in the entire world. And the entire bar, oh, if I would you go that. there after 5 p.m., the entire bar just smells like a Jack's pizza and dogs. I feel Same like thing. I should I should tell you about the wonderful cuisine of Chicago, where up the road from my condo there is a gas station, and on Tuesdays you can buy a cheeseburger for a dollar there. And I never what? have, because what the hell is wrong with you people? Dude, fucking buy a gas station cheeseburger. Live your life, man. It's got to be just like a, a microwave thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, man. A cheeseburger Dude, and- should not be a dollar. That's and not- they're making Yeah, they're making money on that. <laughs> Economics does not allow for a dollar cheeseburger. Uh, Dude... Meat is whatever you want it to be. Like that's that's reality. This okay. is like aspirational. Like this thing should not be in a cheeseburger. This meat, but it it somehow passed the grade thanks to thanks to capitalism. <laughs> hey, taste is subjective. Yeah, you know. I, uh, so Jack, what you're saying is, when I come visit you in Chicago, we're getting cheeseburgers. Hey, yeah, come on a Tuesday. I don't want to pay more than a dollar for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm seriously just gonna show up at your door next Tuesday, and you're gonna be like, oh, "Okay, here we go." I I know you work from home. I know you're gonna be there. I I will, and it is literally it's just at the end of the block, so we can we can get someone go back for seconds. Bring the dog. Be. It might it might be a view. <laughs> he might he might help. I mean, assuming there isn't a run on these delicious dollar cheeseburgers every every Tuesday, who knows? Oh, Maybe they're, they're hard they're to get. Yeah. <laughs> Run comes after yeah. the cheeseburger. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy all of them. I'm just gonna bring a crisp fifty dollar bill. I'm gonna go to the gas station, <laughs> buy all the cheeseburgers, show up at your place. We're gonna do a bunch of fucking whippets. We're gonna eat cheeseburgers, and then we're gonna watch uh, a, a bunch of fucking Carl Theodore Dreyer movies. Oh, that's yeah. This sounds like my regular Tuesday. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sean, do you feel we've successfully relitigated Jack's Pizza? Yeah, yeah. Uh, more than anything, I really want to re-campfire uh, uh, Totino's. <laughs> All I'm saying is if you go to any of your grocery stores, they have a store brand. Like the Meyer brand pizza, a Kroger brand pizza, these are all better than There's Jack's something nostalgic. Hey, there's something nostalgic. But they're not as cheap. They're not as cheap. 
and and I enjoy. You're telling it. me that the store brand is is not as cheap. I think on a given week it is two fifty. Jacks were two fifty hey, today. You know what? Show me five for ten, motherfucker. That's all I'm saying. And your your punishment for besmirching the name of Jacks, Myros. I'm gonna leave you in the woods with a bunch of Totino's personal party pizzas and a stick, and you're just gonna have to fucking deal. <laughs> I could, I, could claim, I could claim that warm Heineken has like a nostalgic feel for me because of one fateful night, but I'm not going to drink it anymore. I don't have Maybe to. Maybe you should do try that, it over a campfire. So. <laughs> Honestly, fuck it with Heineken. Why not? Oh my god. All right, boys. Well, we got to move on because we actually have some movies to talk about. This has been Jack's Pizza Talk featuring Jack Eason. More like, like wax pizza. Oh, sick burn. Thanks. It's fucking Duncan. You can go one of two ways with that burn. But you can't cook the pizza. All right. Either. All right. So I, I guess this is as good a time as any to insert our, our beautiful We're About to Talk About Movie song that we debuted in the last mm, episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put that right here. When we take it to the movie, sure, I'm sure later on you will be my baby. Let's sit down and just be by my side. I got the popcorn, I know what I feel like. Oh, that was so good. Jake, love did it. you like that? Do you want me to play it one more time? I would love you, guys you to play one more? it at least once more. Okay, here comes one more. Let me take it to the movie, sure, I'm sure later on you will be my baby. Let's sit down and just be by my side. I got the popcorn, I know what I feel like. Oh, there, there we go, there we go. Oh, God. It's it's almost like it gets better the more you listen to yeah, it, you know? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I still want that song, by the way. I want that song, I want this song played at what my funeral. It? I mean, I've heard it, but um, I don't know what it is. Where the hell did you scrounge this thing up? Uh, OptimismVaccine.com What is this where the sausage is made? <laughs> Some sort of a meme sort of or something I don't know No, no, it's It's, uh, it's, it's from oh, a meme or something. Uh, It's a Ugandan rapper I think His name is Bangs And that's his song That's, that's his only song to my knowledge What are we talking <laughs> so, about today? Uh, oh hey, we're talking about a bunch of different movies But while it's fresh in Adam Myros' mind I figured we'd start off by Talking about a movie that is, from what I understand, it was inspired by Dave Ehrlich's. It's called Predator. And, my God. The Predator? Yeah, you just do a little little, little thing because he's obsessed with the butt of a 17-year-old. Don't forget Uh, the the. You know, there's a good movie called Predator. The Predator. The Predator. Holy fuck. So, I saw this the other night. Jake, I know you, you caught it, like, close to, to opening, right? Opening and Friday. And, Myros, you just saw it today. Yeah. So, I want to I wanna run something by you guys, and I need you to tell me if I'm wrong and if my interpretation is completely off. One, this is basically a really shitty, bloody MCU movie in the way that it's, like, paced and executed. And two... The central plot of the movie is there's a predator who's trying to harvest autism. Is that correct? <laughs> this is a movie about harvesting autism. Well, I might dispute your first point, but your second one, that's right in the script. What? Uh, the, I, How does one harvest autism? I haven't seen this movie, so I know what we're going to go well, into, but this is... Well, Jack, I'm, I'm let me tell you. It sounds like a very interesting film. So you're, you're Arnold Surrogate in this movie. You're Super Soldier Man. He has a son who has autism. 
And we know that because there's like 10 times in the opening 30 minutes of this movie where like a loud noise happens and the kid's like, ah, I have autism. Also, he rainmans that chessboard or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and he he rainmans the chessboard pretty hard. So the the movie goes hard in that territory right away and you're like, ugh, we're in trouble. And then they start talking about how the Predators are using DNA from their trophies to uh, like evolve themselves, like fuse the DNA of, of dangerous species with themselves so they can become bigger and stronger. So they're saying the whole reason why the predators like rip off people's heads and their spinal cords is to keep the, the skulls for the trophies, and then they use the spinal cord to harvest the spinal cord fluid. Shit. So, so predators are doping basically. Yeah, I yeah, mean, they're so, like, so they're, this is supposed to be like great sport, but they're fucking doping. This is like Lance yeah, Armstrong. Like, this disappoints sure. me, personally. I thought they were in it for the sport, but they've ruined the game. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Even I mean, in it, the first it, movie, they're not exactly playing a, a fair game. I mean, they they have all this advanced technology. You think they were in it for the sport, they just kind of, like, go uh, at you, it you mano s- a mano with Arnold. You, you say that, Adam, but there's people who say claim they need AR-15s to hunt deer. So <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. And that's, that's illegal. That's not a fair fight. So, anyways, what ends up happening is... Um, the the predator decides that Rain Man Child is like he's he's the ultimate warrior of like not not the wrestler the ultimate warrior but like you know the actual oh, title shit. of the ultimate warrior. I thought it just and got even better. No, <laughs> they they decide he decides that this is like the ultimate warrior on earth. The, the Rain Man is, is the autistic child also racist, like the Ultimate Warrior. That, uh, well, uh, maybe it, it remains to be seen. I feel but, like with the with the people who raised him, probably. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's a shame. So black then, movie. then there's I, this, everyone's kind of racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then in in this in the movie, there's this point where you know how the you know, the characters are kind of you know we're gonna have a piece of dialogue that's saying exactly what the audience is thinking. So here I am sitting in the audience. I'm like, man, this movie's fucked up and kind of culturally insensitive, and also like has some weird views on uh, uh, you know cognitive disabilities and autism and, and women. So then a guy in the movie brings it up, and he's just like, yo, why do the predators want this autistic kid? And then Olivia Munn, deadpan, is just like, you know, some scientists believe that autism isn't a disability. It's actually the next step in human evolution. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And that's it. That's, that's the explanation that we're giving. So the, the, the kid with autism is actually a super kid, and the predator wants the autism so that he can fix chess pieces or something. I don't fucking know. What the fuck is this movie? Wait, so it's, it's so that he can take over the Earth because global warming is killing us all. The, the predators are going to be yeah. on Earth, so but they need human DNA need, for some reason? Yeah, we need autistic predators to take over the Earth because <laughs> the Earth is dying and the predators want the dead planet. I think the best yeah. way to sum up why this movie fucking sucks so terribly is that... Uh, you know, Arnold is the ultimate uh, game for the Predator in the original film, and in this film, it is Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the kid from Room, man. He's what kind of decision is this? Uh, <laughs> I just, I just, I haven't seen the movie, but I feel like Mr. Tremblay would not last long against a Predator based on their previous performance. <laughs> I just yeah, that well, he's quite small and light. 
I don't know. Have you have you he, seen uh, the the is book he, of Henry? Is he visible? Is he visible in like ultraviolet spectrum? Because that could help him. Maybe he's got really low body temperature. He's visible in some him. kind of spectrum. Let me tell you. <laughs> I don't think this <laughs> movie has any ultraviolet in the, in the thing, does it? It has very little, yeah. and none of it is. So this is the other thing that drove me nuts and made me comment that it was. It's kind of like a Marvel movie. If you watch the original Predator, which. I just did, along with Sean Glynnis, and you can check that out on OptimismVaccine.com or the iTunes feed that you're listening to right now. Yeah. When, when Sean watched that for the first time, and I watched it again, I, I, you know, I, I watched this movie probably every couple of years, but this time I was really taken aback by just how much stillness there is in the movie and how much tension they build, even though there's big action scenes. And in this Predator movie, the Predator doesn't give a fuck. Like... He's not hiding. He's not stalking his prey. There's nothing like that. It's just straight up like, oh, it's it's like the fucking Thanos fight from the Avengers the entire time. That's all it is. It's just here's this big bad guy with predator dogs because that's a thing that we're doing now. And he just shoots off his missiles. And there's no, there's no stalking of the victims. There's nothing. It's just a big fucking dumb action movie. Yeah. So what I, where I would uh, disagree is that, is that for me, this movie most closely resembled Suicide Squad because it has that sort of, uh, I guess you could say that that Black and David Ayer kind of share the same sort of. I mean, Ayer is a worse writer objectively, but he, they both have <laughs> this sort of like machismo overload with their with their dialogue and their characters and. It, they both feel like a movie that is terrible, and then after uh, they finish, they've wrapped production on this terrible movie. It, uh, both films were re-edited into like incomprehensible slop. How are the needle oh, drops exactly. on this one? No needle drops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's a shame. And there's also this whole thing about not only are predators trying to harvest autism and take over the world, but there's uh, apparently a legion of good predators who are trying to warn the humans against the arrival of the evil predators, which also factored heavily into the original ending where apparently predators were fighting alongside humans to fend off the evil predators, and that never came to be. Wait, so so if there's good predators, are they still predators? It, it, so because predators are not. Here's good. here's the, like why this movie sucks in a <laughs> nutshell. Just from the the opening scene, I knew something was wrong because if you recall the original Predator, it opens very much like the thing where a spaceship crash lands on Earth. You don't have any other context. You don't know what that is. This movie opens up with a fucking space chase sequence with an evil predator ship chasing a good predator ship that crash lands on Earth through a portal, and it's loud and noisy and obnoxious, just like the next 100 minutes that follow the rest of the fucking movie. So I, I got a headache from the first moment. Wow. So I'm, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. we have good Predators and bad Predators, so that means logically the next movie will be Predator versus Predator <laughs> election year. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about the next movie, but first I want to say, too, we're told that there's this good Predator... But until the the human characters tell us, oh, actually this predator was good and he was trying to bring us something to help us, there's no indication that there's anything good about this guy. All he does is crash his ship and fuck shit up and, like, skin humans alive. Like, there is zero indication that this predator is capable of doing anything even remotely good. Yeah, I So the fact imagine. that they're like, actually, he's a hero. It's like, what? Why Wait, is he that still, a, why is he that still a skins line? people? Well... Mm-hmm. 
No, no, there's yeah. no. That would be too visually interesting for this film. But uh, <laughs> no, it, I don't know why that's a plot line. It's all in service of this end scene that does not belong oh. in any fucking movie ever made. It's just complete dog shit. But uh, I don't know. I, I guess I have a theory about this. It's the only thing I could I, I could make any sense of is that. Uh, Shane Black, when tasked with this, uh, went to rewatch Predator, and he just reached into his 80s classics bin, and instead he grabbed the Dream Team, and he was like, fuck, I guess I'll make this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's, this is... I, I can't even begin to wrap my head around it. And then the ending, which, by the way, I'm going to spoil for you, because fuck this movie, don't go see it. It is the most cornball, ridiculous bullshit. And again... It reminds me of a Marvel movie because it's corny as hell, and all it does is serve to set up another sequel. So, at the end, uh, our, our hero character is vindicated, and his son is given, like, a government scientist job, and he's got his own desk and shit, and he's doing predator research because that's what you do with a 10-year-old. And so he's like, he's like the Doogie Hauser of predator research, basically. And... They have this thing that they recovered from the heavy finger quotes good predators ship, and it's like, oh, he's trying to tell us something, and then it opens up, and it's a predator killing suit, and then the final scene is just uh, the autistic kid's dad, who is the other hero, and he's just like, yeah, looks like that's my new suit, and then it's just like, boom, smash cut to credits, baby. Fucking horrible. I mean, is that a movie that anyone could possibly want to watch? Just a guy who looks exactly like a predator going killing to battle other predators. with predators. I mean, isn't a predator killing suit just heavy firearms? Or, like, that's how they killed him the first two, were, like, explosives. Well, they call it a predator killing suit, but it's just a suit that the predator wears. It's not, it's, I, yeah. I see. And it's, it's, actually, yeah. it's actually the lamest possible outcome, because I was like, this is fucking dumb as hell. But one, either be really stupid and, like, a fucking alien xenomorph pops out of this thing, or be extra triple stupid and the CGI Arnold from Terminator Genesis pops out, and then we assume that Terminator and uh, fucking Predator are in the same universe. Well, that is the that is the rumored original intent of what was in the package, was that they wanted it to be, they wanted it to be Arnold, but he turned down the role. Uh, yeah, he threw, he threw the was, script out of the window of a moving car. <laughs> Very wise on Arnold's part. Yeah, thank the Lord. I, everyone in this movie is just fucking yucking it up all goddamn live long day. Uh, I, I, There's only one person in the entire movie who acts like he should be in a Predator movie, and that is uh, Trevante Rhodes, who is excellent actor, and uh, he's excellent in this. He's easily and, the best part about it. Right, he's playing a character in a Predator movie. Everyone else is just fucking at the chuckle hut. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty it's miserable. Bad. Let's talk about... It's a strange uh, thing to, to think, I'm going to make a Predator movie at phone up Jacob Tremblay. That's not where I would have started with it, so, yeah. Well, it's part of this yeah. thing that Shane Black has had a weird habit of doing lately, is putting a precocious child in the middle of his action movies. He did it with Iron Man 3, he did it with the nice guys, and he's doing it here. And I haven't watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang in a few years, and Jack, you said that unfortunately it doesn't hold up, but there's did not know. there are no children to be found, so that's still, for my money, his far and away his best film. But yeah, I don't know what why Black needs to have 
children with ticks in his films. They swear it's so funny. I mean, I feel like The Last Boy Scout, actually, that was the original. I mean, he didn't direct that, but he wrote it. And that, that has, that's true. Yeah. Last that Action Hero, well. that Last Action Hero's kid heavy as well. Yep. 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 Uh, so yep. So are you guys trying to say... Movie. So are you guys trying to say that we need uh, less black films made? Um, yes. <laughs> Hashtag boycott Beale Street. I, I am just... Oh my God. I, I'm beginning to wonder. Like, this movie is one of those things that just shines a, a really unflattering light on Shane Black as a writer and especially as a director. My God. This thing is filmed in, like... 90% extreme close-ups of faces, and it's just, again, edited into incomprehensibility. But um, I, I'm i all of a sudden looking at his stuff like, is this guy, like, shitty? Is he, he's like, is, I don't even know. He's like a fucking Kevin Smith of action movies or something. I'm just tired of his shtick. He needs to go away for a while. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, possibly that's, forever. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I think I think Black is burned out at this point. Is yeah. is the Predator set at Christmas? No, it's set on Halloween. Halloween. No, Halloween. Hall- oh, you can't change the season. There's a season for Shane Black movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, is there saxophone <laughs> obnoxiously inserted throughout? Uh, no, no, they use they, they, no. they riff on the original score for like half the movie and then just throw it in the trash and yeah, and original score is really good. Yeah, the, the opening couple scenes, I'm like, oh, they're using this. This is cool. And then it just yeah. goes away. Trayvante Rhodes yeah. throws out the line, get to the chopper. <sighs> I guess that's does the anybody thing say anything, special ops say a lot. Does anybody say anything like uh, any like sort of Trumpian Trumpisms or like allude to the Predator being like a, a Trump avatar? <laughs> I feel I, so that's I, probably David Ehrlich's job is to. No, to write I mean that. like <laughs> no, I mean like that trend in like blockbuster, you know, like uh, what's his name? A purge movie? Oh sure, but like in like uh, Jurassic World two, uh, what's his name? Uh, Myros's favorite character actor. Oh, uh, uh, why can't I spit his name up? Buffalo Bill, old Buffalo Bill himself. Uh, Ted Levine. Ted, Ted Levine. Ted, yeah, Ted Levine being like, uh, what a nasty woman. Or uh, what other movie was there where they're like, uh, was it The Purge? Yeah, The Purge had one too. Is there, it, it, does yeah, it avoid the, the, the pussy that grab and stuff? Yeah. No, does it avoid I, that? Sean, I'm pretty sure Shane Black voted for Trump. Who are we kidding here? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, no, it's like... It's just broadly shitty. It's it's a timeless shittiness that transcends uh, our current political climate. So thank you for that, Shane Black. Really appreciate it. Yeah, there's lots of hilarious gags, like when they say retard a bunch of times. Like, yeah, <laughs> or when like there's this joke that happens like ten times where he's just like, "Hey, you know what your mom likes? A cock in her butt." Ha <laughs> ha. Like that's that's stuff. Oh, that that's happens. that movie magic. That's, that's what that's what we pay the big bucks for. I'll tell you, it's time to go away, Shane Black. And why did they bring Fred Decker out of a retirement for this shit? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, truly the the Hiroshima Monomore of uh, action films. You know, it's just just a thing of beauty. Really, I was moved to tears. But. Enough about the fucking worst Predator movie in the entire fucking universe. And that's coming from someone who watched both of the Alien vs. Predator movies, including the one that's so dark you can't actually see what's going on. Hey, so did I. Myros, 
Myros, you saw, along with Sean and maybe Jake, and not Jack, because Jack's got to go see it with his wife. Oh, yeah, uh, no, that never worked out. And I'm probably the yeah, most okay. likely to actually like this movie, so I can't even defend it. So No, you won't. Whatever. So <laughs> you won't. <laughs> you, you, guys, you guys went and saw a movie by another critically acclaimed filmmaker who, you know, won some gold Speaking back of in Jacob 2015, Tremblay. 2016. <laughs> Speaking of Jacob Tremblay... Uh, you guys saw the remake of the Wayans Brothers movie, Little Man. How was that? <laughs> I fucking wish we saw that. <laughs> certainly have more no, see, to it. What, what was it called? Little, the Littlest Stranger? Little Stranger? Yeah, The Littlest Stranger. <laughs> the Littlest Stranger that could. The Little Stranger. <laughs> Tell me all about it, boys. I can't. Uh, there's nothing to say. You know the fifth credited the fifth credited character uh, played by Josh Dillon. He's credited as Bland. I I feel like every character in the movie really should share that. <laughs> nothing fucking happens. Oh my god! That, this is I, the I'm base. not even. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Sean. I, I, I'm not even talking from, like, you know, uh, obviously, like, we know each other's tastes and stuff. I'm not, like, you know, I, I, I don't need plot to, like, a movie, but, like, there's nothing to, like, there's no uh, interesting tension to hold on to. There's just, there's, the characters are just, like, just, it's like wooden pieces being moved by a, a, a puppeteer. It's the glazed eyes of... Damal Gleason and uh, his acting partner—I can't even recall who it was. Ruth Wilson. Uh, Ruth Wilson. Yeah, yeah from uh, the affair. Uh, just are like trying to outdo each other in being like vacant at every turn. It, 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 there's nothing. It's just like one big set piece. It's like sort so of this I'm, chamber I'm drama. About this. It's not even a set piece. Is, it's just. I'm curious about this because this. Because this is an adaptation of a Sarah Waters novel, who's also did the the original novel for um, got the chart the the Pan Chen or Park the Chan Handmaiden. film, The Handmaiden, and she's oh, and various other Tipping the Velvet, all, a lot of successful adaptations. And okay, my wife read the book, said it's really good. She really wants to see this movie, just haven't had a chance to. But she she did note because I was feeding her back some of your guys' comments about nothing happening. And she's like, nothing happens in the book either, but it's great. So I'm just, I'm curious that's very about po- that's very possible. What, what happens that they're, you know, because it is, it's a gothic mystery and gothic is really about the atmosphere rather than the event. Oh, but this movie is certainly needs- a mystery to me. <laughs> it's yeah. a certainly sweet an event. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I'm not going to write it off yet. But well, when you it see it, seem... you'll, you'll understand, Jack. Because there's this thing in books called prose that could carry a, a lack of events. But th- this movie, it doesn't well, have is, any it's like several, and, and Several critics liked it too. And they were, yeah. you know, kind of yeah. dismayed 60%. at its lack of distribution. That it was, you know, being dumped because oh my the God. distributor didn't know what to do. And they were like, really like, go see it. It's great. I don't so know how I don't we know, I don't know what to believe. Cinema. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's absolutely like no any any kind of push or forward momentum of any kind in this film. It's like watching a dead fish bob in water for an hour yeah, and 50 minutes. I, oh, so it's there's, like an Apis Kiristami film. Yeah, yeah, all right. Not, not uh, even, without the without the subtext. Uh, yeah, but the beauty. without the fish. I uh I, Myros and I went to see this uh weeks back now and um I had 
uh, a couple drinks beforehand, so I wasn't I wasn't like drunk or anything like that, but I wasn't like super like fresh. And I bought a popcorn, and I was just like sort of like so involved in like eating this popcorn because it was really good, and that kept me going. And I was just kind of like thirty minutes went by, and I was just like, has anything happened or am I just like not paying enough attention like not to not as well attuned uh, sensorily to to the film and 45 minutes went by and I looked at my house and I was like is it just me or is nothing going on and he was just flabbergasted and, and I mean thank god for my popcorn to get me through you know 45 minutes but it's it's bewildering the, the lack of just like the complete inaction in this movie or like I said lack of subtext or if it's there it's like um, it's it's sort of tent pulled uh, through like symbols and not really like you know used uh, mechanically but yeah there's nothing there's nothing here it's not there's no atmosphere uh, all I can say is that it's got a pretty neat house as its main setting that, that's it <laughs> It made me want. It made me wish I was watching Winchester. Yeah, I was. I was. I did not have any <laughs> drinks before this. I, I was stone cold sober, and I didn't have any popcorn. And an hour into this movie, I was already pulling my hair out. Uh, I. It was. It's insufferably bland. That's the only way to describe it. There's and and yeah, this coming from a, a guy who helmed one of the best films of 2015 or so, we think. Room, I there, like. There's, there's Not no. Yeah, well, I know, but, but there's like, there's no, there's no style. There's no any sort of like. It's point and shoot filming, filmmaking. That's Steely all. Steely gazes. Yeah. What? Well, yeah, and the the biggest problem. And there are many problems. The movie doesn't work really at all. And I was, I was patient with it. I didn't start to get antsy till about you know an hour in, and I was like, okay. I kept, you know, you expect it to, to hit a stride at some point, and it, it just wasn't. Uh, but, you know, the last the last half hour, 40 minutes, I was just exasperated, because there'd just be oh, another static shot of Dom Hall Gleason just staring into space. Like, that's the movie. Like, Dom Hall Gleason is a fucking vacuum in this. Like, he is... <laughs> this is one of the worst leading performances I've ever seen. Not that he's, like... Incapable, but he's just fucking zero charisma. He cannot helm a movie like this. He is, he's not compelling to watch at all. Well, that's the thing. There's no craft, there's no craft behind the camera that's like using him either. Right, yeah. It's not like an embarrassing performance per se, but my god, is it just so, uh, it's it's difficult to, to watch him. He's just. Wallpaper the entire time, and and Ruth Wilson is is no better really. Even uh, question question, I have a question. Can someone explain to me who the titular little stranger is? Uh, it's Dom Gleason as as a child. He he visits this uh, manor as a child, and, uh, and it's he, spooky. No, there it's like, at that point it's at that point they're very rich. And he visits, and he's poor, and he feels like a little stranger. But yeah, then the the house goes into ruinous decay, and uh, people start dying mysteriously. And, uh, well, it's not really that much of a mystery, but uh, Jack hasn't seen it and has interest, so we won't get into that aspect of it. But 
It'll probably turn out that it's got, like, really, really specific overtures of, like, Irish history or something. I don't know. Maybe. I'm just winging what might work with it. I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> Good Who luck. knows? Good luck. I'll watch you it eventually. Nothing. I got... Well, I haven't seen it, so I don't, I don't know. Uh... But yeah, it's weird because Lenny Abrams and the director, I mean, he's got a pretty solid track record. He's uh, He's got some pretty good stuff behind him. So it's just curious for him to make like an absolute just dead film. Is Frank I mean, good? Well, hmm? Is Frank good? Yeah, I thought Frank is great. I think Frank actually might be my favorite of his films. But um, I mean, his early films, uh, Adam and Paul and Garage are both very oh, solid. Okay. And also well, his TV show that he made, uh, Prosperity, is also pretty solid, but is also completely unavailable because Irish state television decided that even though they have an old TV show by an Oscar-nominated director, they couldn't be bothered to release it on DVD or anything. So uh, good, <laughs> luck, good luck trying to find that anywhere. Yeah, see, I blame the Catholic Church for that one. Uh, uh, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty common, actually. That's a good strategy. <laughs> that's, we that's blame the strategy. <laughs> that brings us back to the Predator. So. <laughs> All right, so, Jake, before we move on to the, our, our final final film yes. uh, for the evening, uh, I'm going to give you the final word on uh, Little Man. What, 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 is, what is wrong with this? Like, what, what is going on? Just, I, I, like, I can't even wrap my head around what this movie is. It's, a, it's just a very bloodless film there's absolutely nothing going for it it's uh it's one of the least imaginative stylists like style less films i've ever seen it's got no atmosphere there's nothing sustaining any sort of mood or tension performances are flat as a board it's hard to call it a movie yeah exactly <laughs> it's just an hour and 50 minutes gone by in my life that's all it is <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't have any interest, Cuff. I mean, in the best case scenario, this reads like a Jane Austen adaptation or something. But the stuff you go for there in like a Merchant Ivory production is absent here. It's just totally flaccid and flat, and there's none and of no that. Anne Hathaway. There's none of that lavish uh, stuff you look for. In such it's production. even got Will Poulter plays a burn victim who acts like the Elephant Man, and even that is not interesting in this movie. No, it's. It's just a it's just a complete flat line and a failure. It's, it's, avoid, it's yeah. DOA. That's that sounds lovely. Well, you know what guys? That's okay though, because <laughs> we're lucky. Let's get to the full. We have another movie. It's critically it's critically acclaimed. It's at like ninety percent or something obscene on Rotten Tomatoes. Everybody loves it. It has to be good, and I think we all went to see it. So maybe finally we can finally talk about something that we like because we all went and saw Searching with with uh, Harold, the titular Harold from Harold and Kumar, John Cho. It was great, right? Uh, yeah, it was a revolution, man. It's going to change I the way you view movies. If I had yeah. to stare at a desktop for an hour and 40 minutes, I may as well have stayed at home and got some work done. <laughs> I am, okay, like I am miffed. I, I don't understand. Like, I feel like I watched something that the other critics didn't watch. Like, I watched something oh, yeah. completely different. What, like, yeah, reading, those, reading those, like, uh, reviews or just, like, the sort of, like, little, like, snippets and Rotten Tomatoes or the positive stuff is just, like, 
just that'll just put you in a tailspin. I will say I got yeah. more joy of Adam sharing screenshots of those and telling these old critics to die because they're out of touch. <laughs> I enjoy that more than anything in searching. Let me tell you. Yeah, I've, I've, always, I've always felt. Um, I don't like. I don't follow like critics. I've followed them more closely in the last couple of years. Not so much generally, though. And I mean, horror movie fans always complain about uh, critics, sure, kind of not giving a fair shot to horror movies. And usually, I don't pay much attention because honestly, most horror movies are shit. We like most movies aren't aren't that good. Horror has a particularly low bar. There's still really good ones out there, but boy, you've got to troll through a lot of stuff. Um, but. This this makes me really believe they've got a point because while Unfriended Two Dark Web was getting dumped on by a lot of critics as being mm-hmm. stupid and pointless and boring, these same critics apparently are just turning around and saying that searching is novel and innovative and riveting, and so it is fucking absolutely annoying. It's absolutely not like Unfriended either. Unfriended movie is league is more entertaining than this film this well, film that barely even fits the format yeah yeah I mean this film as we, we mentioned like this film barely even it's a desktop movie so it's all shot through all the footage is basically done through a computer as a father searches for his missing daughter but the film barely even fits the format there's no reason for this film to be it's punching out of, it's movie. punching its way out of that bag like at every opportunity yeah yeah and I, I want to say something about that too so I'm one of the few people on the podcast here, the, the regular rotation of podcast people who I don't I don't hate the unfriended movies, but they just don't click with me. They just don't do it for me. They don't scratch my my horror itch. But I will say <clears throat> they don't, they don't they don't get me horny. Um, as as much as I I often get a massive throbbing erection when I see a chubby teenager stick his hand in a blender. Um. I have to say, after watching Searching, I have a newfound appreciation for the Unfriended movies. And it all comes down to, again, this format. So you, we've had this run of movies in the last couple of years, and they're films where the idea is ostensibly this is just like a, a screen capture of a desktop, and all the action unfolds on that. And like you guys mentioned, this movie, it doesn't fucking commit to the gimmick. It is doing everything it can in its power to sort of dig its way out. And, and that can be small things, like the way that the camera moves across the screen. And maybe you can say, okay, well, those flourishes make it more cinematic, blah, 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 blah. But even the way that it, like, constructs its online universe, it does ridiculous shit <laughs> just to tell its story. And it makes me wonder if, you know, this is basically uh, a mediocre episode of Dateline NBC... So if that's your shitty script, aren't there other ways to film this where maybe you can incorporate some of this internet shit, but it doesn't have yeah, to be it's called exclusively the CSI that. cyber. Yeah, based on, <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Based on John Cho's just constant use of his webcam and leaving it on all the time, I think we can make a sequel. We can make a sequel that's basically just him getting hacked, like yeah. blackmailed for Ooh, shit. What I love about or masturbating to porn. <laughs> what I love I'm about it. Just put that in. Why not? Yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, but what I love about that is that there is at least one moment where he is cognizant of the fact that he is leaving it on to the point where he closes it because it's inactive. And it's like, 
that's like case in point of just like there's no there's no reasoning or thought behind I would say 75 to 80% of the logistical choices made on screen even though the director of this film is uh, he left like Silicon Valley he used to work for Google it was like a Google hotshot say the headlines and uh, you would think that he would have sort of an in-depth understanding of uh, technology and personal computing but he understands that you can sometimes answer your phone but still be on a webcam I love I love (laughs) the fact that he he gets a phone call and on Max like the phone call thing pops up and he uses his cursor to go and hit answer but then picks up his phone with his left hand and starts talking on the phone. This is like Neil Breen upscales. Yeah, yeah. It really is. It really is. And and there's so many little things in here where you're just like, what the fuck? Whether it's the artifice of here's why we need to screen a funeral or uh, and and the weird like emotional like tugging that try they try to pull he's off. He's really that. taken in by online adverts. He fell for the yeah. funeral thing immediately. What is the point <laughs> of filming the funeral? It's not on his computer. He's I at love the that. I funeral. love that. Yeah, I don't. I don't it, understand. The point and is so then, we can see it through this uh, apparatus. But if you're gonna break the gimmick, to just break the fucking gimmick. <laughs> the the other thing that drove me nuts is, is fucking how much it worked. Deborah um, Messing. Deborah Messing's oh, yeah. character. So, uh, <laughs> fucking <robot>. Officer <laughs> Skype. I didn't even. Do, don't you? Don't you love when you call the cops via Skype? Because I do that all the time. <laughs> I love FaceTiming with police officers. That's totally love, normal operating procedure. I love that she talks like a robot or like a demon. She talks like Hal in like the last third of 2001 for a while. I gotta admit, I feel bad that I didn't even recognize it was Deborah Messing until I came home. Like, I got home and I was like looking at the movie. I'm like, oh, that was Deborah yeah. Messing, I guess. I'm in the same boat. I just kept calling her Officer Skype. <laughs> That's oh, I recognize right away I, uh, I was like no. uh, and again the way she's introduced where John shows like oh why do I get you What? Do you, what's your story what What investment do you have in this case it's like you don't get to fucking choose what detective investigates your fucking kidnapping case you buffoon and then he Not googles he her do a background search right. he like googles her name because he's just like oh just in case she turns out to suck and that turns out to be very important later ladies and gentlemen oh, I, was, I can tell you here's what's crazy for me his daughter goes missing and so he finds her Facebook and he goes, he somehow manages to find the phone number for every single one of her friends on her friends list. So he calls all them. The all the teenagers put their phone numbers on Facebook. All, teen, all of them teenagers, her daughter's age. He calls them and not only do they willingly answer, but they all provide detailed alibis as to the disappearance, the night of the dis- her, of his daughter's disappearance as to their whereabouts. Nobody would ever accept a FaceTime call from somebody's dad or a stranger <laughs> and tell them all yeah, this no, information I, willingly. I love I love I feel watching. Like if a Forty-year-old man is is phoning a bunch and, of kids and he makes online. A, he makes a, another confession. I love the fact that and the I love the fact that. Sorry, you have a you have like a seventeen or eighteen-year-old boy in uh, in high school, like in sort of the commons area during break or lunch or whatever, just on his iPhone. Getting like a FaceTime call from fucking John Cho dad and just being like, okay, might as well. And just be like, I will engage <laughs> with this conversation as if I, I'm legally obligated. 
he does that to, to everybody. It doesn't make sense. Um, it has a weird understanding of technology. One thing I will say, like, is there's an opening montage um, that sets up like, how to deal with lymphoma. Thing. But, as a but, but basically, what, what I really what I really like about it is that like they're using their calendar, like it's showing all these functions for like Microsoft Windows for like your calendar and setting reminders and phone numbers and contacts and stuff. I'm like, I don't know anyone who uses their computer like that, who you know oh, has you, all that wait, information wait, wait. in Microsoft specific software. Like you people, don't know shit's on your phone. You don't know anyone who uh, indexes their videos uh, <laughs> by the food that they're cooking in it, and then when they don't want to see it anymore, they were they they take the word of the food out of the search result because they're going to keep searching gumbo on their computer. Yeah, there's so much just weird little like like there's it, it feels like a whole subsection of this film was derived out of them right clicking in various parts of computers and just coming up with reasons to use bullshit filter options no one cares about. And, yeah, yeah, and there is uh there, there is another pointed sequence earlier in that uh montage sequence where the daughter the is in scene. fourth grade and is using AIM. Uh, which, considering she's seventeen in this modern day tale, this is this this the time does not work out. Trust me, this movie yeah. is made by a fucking grandpa or at least four grandpas because that's the only way anyone could think this was like Stephen Sesko's grandpa or, could make a better film. <laughs> I also I've never seen Pixar's Up. But the opening montage yes, is Pixar's up, it's, isn't yeah. it? I like the and it, I, it, I guess the girl well, sitting beside behind me in the cinema was bawling at the end the, of that. Uh, oh montage. yeah, when, when that when oh. that played, I said to Myra, so I was like, "Yes, I've seen up." But it, the opening montage is not up. The opening montage is the opening montage of up. Well, yes, yes, it's the same idea. It's like a life captured in in moments, but all of these moments are indexed in fucking Windows Media Player, which doesn't I like who even uses that? No, but anyway, yeah, I guess John Cho, who lives on his computer, does everything through his computer, but still yeah, he uses doesn't know how to use Microsoft. One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, still uses like Microsoft standard software for everything. He even takes just regular phone calls on his computer at certain points and just has like a little, you know, uh, equalizer bar at the top showing the like sound. <laughs> and it's like, what pro? This is who does this? Who communicates solely? He also has their computer. He also has a cross messenger on his PC to text on his iOS, which doesn't make any sense either, unless you like uh, really know technology. But anyway, regardless, there is some really funny stuff. Uh, plot-wise that I love, particularly when they get into the meat, like uh, a certain catfishing scene that... Uh, Myros, do you want to describe what happens in this scene? Uh, which scene are we talking about? Where he thinks that a cat... <laughs> he thinks that the person oh, catfishing him is the person that is... Uh, oh yes! Oh, the, oh, the yeah. stock photo model. Oh, this makes yeah. this, is, this is fucking insane. <laughs> yes, so he finds out that this person who's been chatting with his daughter on the internet fish and is chips. yes, fish and chips. So he finds out that the picture uh, this person provided was a stock photo. So he jumps to the conclusion that the person who is <laughs> is lying to his daughter is the stock photo model. <laughs> and he calls her up and berates her because she doesn't know where his missing daughter is. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome. Also, I, I want to say, 
Let me tell you how that scene was enhanced for me. So there, there was a woman sitting in front of me in the theater when I saw this, and like the theater was dead silent. And then when like the big reveal and like the music stinger of him like seeing the stock photo and doing it like side by side with the fish and chips lady, and then the woman in front of me gasped. She's just like, oh, "That damn fish and chips!" Speaking just, of like, it. Full volume said that. It was fucking amazing. Speaking of enhanced, Steve, I love when he's on Reddit and he just clicks on like a a post, like a news post, and it has a picture of like the uh, the seat of the car and he just zooms in and it's like super high def to the point where he could like inspect the fabrics basically. To, to be oh, fair, yeah. there's one thing I did, uh, like, the Reddit scene is almost the most realistic, because it's just a bunch of people just making just shit, like, trying to, like, playing detective, and they're all clueless. That scene is almost like, okay, I can <laughs> see that. At least it didn't accuse, if, if it was really Reddit, they probably should have had, like, false accusations everywhere and listed a bunch of people, but, yeah, this film, what's interesting about this film is, like, for the first hour or so, hour and ten minutes, I don't, I don't know exactly, but, like, it's really... It's not that interesting. It's mm-hmm. like it's very procedural, and he's digging and just looking for this and that. And I mean, if you care, I guess you could say it's interesting. But then it just starts piling on plot twists. It starts like changing everything up as so what you think you knew you didn't know. What and just and it goes in some weird directions, including him planting cameras in his brother's house so so he can confront proof. him. But importantly, so we can see him <laughs> confronting him because this movie proof. has to exist. <laughs> So yeah, and that, like, and I don't know how did he go in. He just goes in there and he just manages to set up three cameras. He yeah, and then he sound. walks out to his car. And he goes, and I, need like, to do, I need to do something in my car, and his car is parked right outside the front door. <laughs> <laughs> like literally right outside. Like he leaves the door open, he's still, still visible through the door. Uh, like, how, do you do, how do you set up cameras without the guy noticing? Yeah, also, I don't know. Uh, also the implication of this scene. What? Yeah. In what world is he jumping to the conclusion that his brother has fucked his daughter and like <laughs> murdered her or something? It's like he uh, found. Well, he found the. I think in that Reddit photo, he sees the brother's sweatshirt in the front yeah, seat of the daughter's the car. Yeah, Grand. And, and then and he does. He, he like scrolls the sports team with only one fan. Yeah. who we is his talk, brother? Yes, and then he rapidly scrolls through like their back text messages, oh. like ignoring any pertinent oh, oh, information. God, I just love seeing, that like, scene. Disgusting, incriminating things. So it's, it's like I love that scene. Anyone who couldn't have fucking called where this was going is again a grandpa. It's like, well, it's marijuana. It's fucking marijuana, marijuana. It's like no. <laughs> they even go to the trouble of telling us the brother smokes yes. marijuana. Yeah, yeah. Before, he like, really the like brow beats and yeah, yeah, The daughter has, has terrible anxiety, and the brother is uh, a what big I love pothead. though. What I love about that text message scene where he's, like, going through the, the messages with his daughter and his brother is, like, okay, this is a huge, possibly a huge break in the story uh, for for his investigation, his personal investigation. And he just starts, like, skipping across <laughs> multiple messages. And, you know, we follow the cursor. And apparently he reads by putting the cursor over the words every word that he uses that he reads but I was just like why, why would you not be like your daughter's missing and this is your brother you think that they fucked why are you just like skipping past text messages during this why conversation did he not check all of her tech he gets access to all of that anyway well, I would I have love- thought he would have read all of them well, the beginning of the week like the day instead, one instead 
Instead, he he goes through her uh, her vlog, and he can't even he can't <laughs> he even watch a full walk. vlog. <laughs> he just skips through. He's like, ah, fuck! This one's clearly unimportant. It's like, how would you fucking know this? You watched them all. It's like, no. I watched 30 seconds of this one. That's good enough. Skip. I li- what I like is he finds out his daughter is actually unpopular. and, and She's a loser, yeah. And, he just, and then he starts skipping her videos, too. Like, <laughs> like what a dick. Uh, and I like how it also we... has one of these, like, again, a lot of the reviews are like, ooh, it's harrowing. You're going to find out what your kids are doing online. I'm like... What was this daughter doing online that was insidious? She she got into this situation money. because she wanted to donate a bunch of money to a, a struggling online friend who just lost a parent? Ooh, parents better, you better stop that shit before it gets out of control. Imagine if your daughter didn't go to piano lessons. It should be uh, like, oh, you'll find out what your policemen are doing online. Uh, so, I mean, this the, is Go ahead. Yeah, you know, well, this is what's so frustrating. I mean, to to talk about the ending, like to give it away oh, a little yeah. bit, but Let's like, just do but, it. but like the the yeah. The, so so it turns out, um, it turns out that the police officer, uh, officer Skype, is uh, actually <laughs> took the investigation purposefully because it turns out that her son was catfishing his daughter and accidentally pushed her off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> that happens and then his mom found out the police officer mom found out and she's covering up the whole thing the investigator of the crime covers the whole thing up and that's what happens at the end and I, it's very difficult well, to care the craziest the craziest thing about that is they throw her body down a rock quarry and she's left for presumed death and then in the overhead aerial shot of the police escort that's taking Deborah Messing to prison it stops at an intersection and turns around and starts speeding towards the quarry because she realized it had rained two days earlier and the girl could have gotten water to live. Yeah, yeah, it's it's got a happy ending. They all end up together, even though his dad, the dad, thinks his daughter's boring. He has some more time to work on her once he gets her back. But um, yeah, what, what what throws me off about this is it's actually like the meat of the film is an online element and it's about. Basically, this daughter, who's actually a, a like a, a woman of color, being basically catfished by a guy, by a white, like an angry white guy who gets uh, kind of feels entitled when he meets her in person and kind of wants to hang out with her in person, and she freaks out because he's been lying to her the whole time, and he doesn't know what to do, and she she hits him or whatever because she's angry with him, understandably, and he just doesn't know what to do, so he just lashes out and pushes her off a cliff. And, uh, like, that's the the crux of the story, you know, which is a really interesting thing, I guess, to talk about in this. Uh, right now, we're at this kind of phase where we're starting to try and have a conversation about holding white guys responsible for things, um, you know, which is a very new concept in society. <laughs> and this movie just basically just blasts through that, doesn't give a crap, like, lays that out as, like, and this is, like, the online idea of things aren't what they seem online. And it's just sort of, like, used as a plot twist where the whole first over hour of the film is just pointless meandering FaceTime conversations that would never have happened FaceTime to begin with. Like, this is a film about computers, but it shouldn't have taken place on a computer. And it's just frustrating that they did, like, all these conversations could have taken place in a room shot normally well, and then get to get to the element of the 
the subterfuge of the, the catfishing and then take it from there. Deborah Messing's officer, uh, when, when she gets brought in, she confesses on camera. We get to see the CCTV camera yeah, yeah. The, of the confession, thankfully. It gets lazier reported. and lazier. It, it, yeah, and there's just cameras everywhere, whatever. Yeah, I love these. We start seeing, like, breaking news footage, and then, like, just full screen, and then it, like, zooms out. It does this two or three times where it zooms out. It was like, actually, this is on YouTube. We don't know who's watching it, but somebody <laughs> yeah, is. I like, the way, I like the bit about how he watches himself beating up a yeah. child well, that's on the YouTube. Thing. It, 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 it switches narrators three times, or POV or whatever, because it is John Cho, and then it goes away from John Cho. It goes to an omniscient uh, perspective, and then at the end it goes to the daughter's perspective uh, as she's trying to refresh the page, blah, blah, blah. It, it's just like, it, it doesn't make any sense. It just totally breaks down... And I, I don't understand how you watch this and are like, this really captures something about digital uh, livelihood, blah, blah, But I guess without this, we don't get that great reveal of him finding out that uh, the guy who supposedly pushed his, pushed his daughter is part of the construction crew or whatever. Like... The one photo of Officer Skype online like moves has, a window has and the guy... Yeah. yeah, has the one guy that she ends up using as a pivotal part of her plot to get her son off of murder. And then she, she gives her her confession, which is done on the CCTV, and she makes all these excuses for her son. And they're the same excuses that people always make for, like, why can't... Right now we have this Supreme Court thing with Brett Kavanaugh and all the, the he's been... A, Incredibly accused of rape and everyone's making excuses about him just being a kid or whatever and all the same excuses they have that scene in this movie where she makes all the excuses for him and then they just move on like the film doesn't peg down on the like one part of it that could actually be interesting or could say something about the contemporary age and it just skips over it which makes again like you guys are wondering like how do critics think this film is capturing anything right now it just it seems like it's oblivious to its best qualities revels in its worst qualities and it doesn't make sense what parameters it chose to begin with right yeah i i don't think like this movie unlike the other two we've discussed this movie i found pretty wildly entertaining especially when it it just goes totally off the rails in the third act and it stops trying entirely but to for critics to say this is like a, a well-made, taut thriller, much less to say that it has anything to, to say about technology or reflects right. anything, is it's all insane to me. This movie is one of the like sloppiest things I've seen all year. It's a terribly made film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's absolute. It's absolute trash. It, it, it is. And then <clears throat> the other thing that really drives me nuts too is if there's any underlying message here. It's basically like a stern warning to parents that your children are online interacting with people and they're going to get fucking abducted and pushed into ravines. And that's it. it. It's got it's got the DNA of a lifetime movie to it, which is basically that. Oh, absolutely. As, as a parent, you just like if you could. It's it basically confirms for parents is like if you can just intrude enough on your <laughs> child's life you will save them from something terrible that's definitely right. happening. And that's what a good parent would do. They would, they, you know, you have to trust your child, but you also definitely have to not trust them at all and just butt in and get in the way because definitely terrible things are happening that you should be terrified of. And that's the movie. Like, it is It is literally, this is like, 
an upscale Lifetime movie, except that it actually looked crappier than most Lifetime movies yeah. somehow. The, also true. Also yeah, true. The, the critical response just uh, it tells me that the median age of critics must be somewhere in the neighborhood of like 57 years old because this is squarely aimed at <laughs> aging parents who don't understand the internet. Uh, I will say that, that although we have been uh, critical of the fact that it, it doesn't stick with its single screen gimmick, uh, one critic I really respect, uh, Devin Faraci. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, you know, Searching is the latest in a series of movies with a very modern gimmick. The whole film is told on a computer screen, but Searching is different from most of its forebears in that it doesn't chain itself to one screen or to real time. This gives first-time feature director Adish Shiganti a lot of freedom. He still keeps his story mostly about people on phones and on computers, but he doesn't have to bend over backwards to keep explaining why any one scene is being shown on a screen. What the fuck is he talking about? You can't just say, like, this movie doesn't work, but that's because it gives itself the freedom to not work. (laughs) Like, that's actually what he's thing. saying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, my God. Okay, let's move on. What a, what a blessed well, day. Can, can we just, I just want to discuss, just because I just remembered it, um, in terms of like how crappy this movie uh, looks. Probably my, <laughs> my favorite thing in the whole movie is every so often they have uh, news footage and they go to like studio news anchor people, presumably being watched online by an unknown person who watches all their shitty local media online, which who, local media, like local news is for like moms and dads who just turn their TV on and then walk around their house all day. Uh, like no one else watches that no one tunes in online for much of it but anyway what I really love is that the anchors are like the worst actors they all look like they have no idea they've never seen a news anchor before they're like doing this really bad impersonation one of them I swear her chair is too low and like her hands are like (laughs) she's like reaching up to rest her hands on the table it like this looks like it was shot in like they had like an hour with a desk and a green screen and they just rushed through it's the most just jar like in a movie that doesn't really need a wide range of elements because it's mostly you know John Cho just shouting at a computer um like those sequences that like break outside of that look so shoddy i just i can't understand how this film like how they could just get these things so poorly put together that they're just eye-catchingly bad they're just like did did that just happen (laughs) so what this this movie did contribute to the uh, canon of all-time uh dunderheaded google searches uh, does anyone remember that verbatim? It's been a while since I've seen the movie. Wait, wait. Are you talking about how to uh, how to survive lymphoma? Dot dot dot. As a family. Yes. <laughs> yes. How to fight lymphoma? Oh, or there's another one. Family. There's another one where there's another one that is uh, Margot Kim. Social media, San Jose. Right. Yeah. This is how people use. This is how people use Google. Humans. Yeah. <laughs> This is what blows my mind is that as we discussed the unfriended movies nail this like they they don't like everything that happens in those two movies in terms of like people using the internet all is all above board makes sense and then this movie that the critics are like oh this is really good it it's yeah it's alien it's like watching an old person doing weird shit with a computer you've never seen before. Like, slowly dragging the cursor across the screen, like, 
Oh yeah, every time he oh. every time he goes to check his <laughs> Gmail, he he doesn't click on the icon. He just like types it into the search bar. He's like, oh, yes. <laughs> he's Gmail. no bookmarks. I'm like, what the? F- that's not a no. There's a button. Uh yeah. I don't know. This movie's fucking uh, batshit insane, but you should see it. It's yeah. it's fucking worth seeing. It's a laugh. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Like Adam, you were really, you really enjoyed it. You were definitely the most vocal advocate for it. I have to say, my my review of it when I was watching it is, I went, to, I remember, I went into the cinema and I just kind of felt hungry because I hadn't eaten a lot that day, and I just sat down and for the whole movie, all I could think about was like, man, I'm hungry. Get and it popcorn, never distracted man. from that. I could, I didn't want to leave. The film was so riveting. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, I didn't want to come back. You don't know whose perspective it's going to be in. Yeah, no, uh, I, was, I was, didn't want to miss any sweet Skype action or, you know, just him randomly typing nonsense into an Excel spreadsheet. You know, like, for, like that amazing, that amazing Did bit you take out the garbage? Oh, man, that amazing bit where he found out that guy went to a Justin Bieber concert but didn't want to admit it. <laughs> Rip-roaring hilarity. <laughs> Great. The audience uh, actually did laugh at oh, that in my course. screening, which, man, I don't get it. I yeah I got no clue. They were all yeah, the so, uh, They were old. other. Yeah, the other the other thing that I because <laughs> I noticed it is that the production accountant in the film is named Dollar Sign oh, yeah. Bill Wingate, and to me that was like the highlight of the movie. And I'm not joking. That was the most the most agitated that, and excited related, I got. Is he related to Arliss? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it's so it's a mystery buried in the end credits. This dollar oh bill, An dollar Easter bill, egg, one of many Easter eggs and searching next Who to catfish he? as the the high school uh, fucking mascot. Oh, it's 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 great. Um, another thing that's worth mentioning because I know people have <laughs> talked about a lot about this film is the fact that it's an Asian American family. And it's an Asian-American-led film. And that's noteworthy and worthwhile. And it's, it's kind of nice the film isn't about being Asian-American. Sure. You know, that's, it, it's kind of nice that it's, it's like it inserts things about their Korean heritage, etc. But it's not a movie that's like consciously about that. Except right. It could have been to some degree in that she's a woman of color, an ethnic minority who's preyed on by a white dude. And the film doesn't give a shit. And like we discussed, doesn't really go anywhere with that so it could have been but other, other than that it's kind of nice <laughs> at least it at least earned some representation kudos but wow. uh, at the same time John Cho was also in say Columbus last year which is a much better movie so yes, certainly. Mm, you know mile, mileage may vary well if we're going to focus on an Asian American family perhaps we could eschew the uh, pivotal plot point involving piano lessons come on <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she isn't good at math. Like, they didn't just talk about her being good at math, um, which is the other option. She's guys, good... mm? guys, I need to know, are these Asians crazy rich? No. Well, they, they look crazy, <laughs> crazy upper middle class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crazy upper middle class. <laughs> All right, guys, we got to wrap this up. Um, I'm glad that I've watched nothing but trash pretty much for the last, like, week and a half because between cost of content and this... Uh, my brain is fried. I want to fucking die. But hey, guess what? We still love things, believe it or not, dear listeners. So, Jake, what are you putting over this week? Um, so, let's see here. Okay, I'm going to put over uh, David Burns' new album. <laughs> I caught you off guard, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been quiet. You over? I spent the last ten minutes trying to think of something to put over, and um, I've really been enjoying... <laughs> 
David Byrne's new album, album which is called uh, American Utopia. Uh, I saw Byrne perform live a few weeks ago, which was one of the best shows of my life, and I've really been enjoying his album. Um, if you like Talking Heads or David Byrne, I would say this is a no-brainer. It's very, it's very catchy. There's a lot of great, memorable tracks on it, and I, uh, I think it's got a lot of addicting earworms. So, uh, American Utopia, the new album by David Byrne. Check it out. All right. Uh, Sean, what are you putting over this week? Oh, sorry, caught me mid yawn. Um, oh my god! Not, you piece no, of shit. That, that was no, sorry. That was that was not a dig at Jake. I literally w- want to uh, <laughs> hear that album um, as a Burn fan, but uh, as a Bernie. Um, but uh, actually, I think uh, David Byrne would have won if he would have ran for uh, presidency. Uh, yeah, a couple Seems of years ago. Um, I watched uh, a movie uh, that has sat on my shelf for nigh on a decade recently uh, in three times movie called three times by uh, uh, Hao Shao Shen uh, from 2005 uh, Taiwanese film uh, that's a triptych and it's the two people same same performers doing basically the same uh, relationship, but it is over three uh, disparate time periods. There's the 50s and sometime pre 1900s, and uh, I can't remember exactly when it was. But um, and then uh, in the 2000s, and uh, it's absolutely wonderful. And the first segment uh, you can see, but um, it's been cited as like a big influence on Moonlight for Barry Jenkins, and that's definitely um, palpable in it but uh it's just a lovely lovely movie all right jack what are you putting over this week uh so jewel osco have this home brand frozen <laughs> pizza it's pretty, pretty <laughs> solid dude shout out to the jewel osco man yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's really really good often on sale for as little as four dollars rice and crust honestly it's it's really it's just luxury for what goes great bang for your buck so sean i fully recommend but uh, okay, so so I'm thinking uh, I'm watching a lot of really good movies of recent. But one that we 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 tear down a lot of like low budget cinema here because caustic content and stuff. We troll the depths. Um, but one thing that I did find recently, just completely randomly on Amazon Prime, was a film called Witch Hunt, uh, which I actually ended up being surprisingly good and surprisingly enjoyable. It's a very low budget film. It's basically about a group of girls, uh, friends who group of women. Sorry, actually, that would make more sense. Uh, it's not It's not like a weird sleepover s- s- situation. They get together for a party. It's one of their birthdays, and they have this board game that is about... that's basically themed around finding the witch, and that's the board game, but the... It clearly becomes uh, apparent at some point that maybe one of them actually is a witch, and paranoia sets in. And it's just it's it's just a really well executed kind of little idea. Um, nothing very fancy, and it does does quite a lot with very little. So honestly, if you want to give uh, eighty minutes to a genuine low budget indie film, in as especially with Halloween coming in, um, really, I think you know, give it a look. It's really. It's not bad. I'm, I'm usually wary of things becoming a witch hunt, but if you say so. Well, you know, I mean, it's not like they didn't advertise it up front with the title. So, yeah, I'll put that over. Go watch that if you feel like it. 
All right. Mario, what are you putting over this week? Uh, I haven't seen anything great. I'm going to put over Nintendo Switch Online because the internet does nothing but bitch about something that costs $20 a year and gives you lots of, of free <laughs> NES games. And it's it's good. It's good. So you're, putting up, over, you're putting over something. Do you have it? Or yeah, do you, are you just it. putting it over? I have it. Oh, so you're not just you're not just putting it over to, to own the trolls there? Tomorrow? I have it. It works it works great. I can play Tech Mobile. That's that's good enough. <laughs> isn't there like a isn't there like a cheat on tech or like a you know, an in game sort of like uh cheat thing where you're just like uh you're just the Chiefs or the Bills or something like that and you just win? Uh, that would be the no. Raiders. It's called Bo Jackson. Yeah, yeah, Bo fucking Jackson, my friend. Oh, okay. I wish I, yeah, I like, will suggest that they they should put Tecmo Super Bowl because it's a superior game. I'd agree. Yeah, but also if, so if you are playing Tecmo Bowl, if if you're playing Tecmo Bowl with your friends, make sure you institute a no Raiders rule because that's only fair. Well, the so, Bears are, are not much better. Peyton is right up there with Bo. That's true. That is true. All right. Uh, well, I think this week Where I'm going to put over. Yeah. I'm going to put over the only good movie that I've seen in the last ten days because of all the trash I've had to watch because of you fucking yahoos and this damn podcast. Uh, I went and saw Raising Arizona tonight because it was randomly playing for one night only at the Oriental Theater in Milwaukee, and it was great. I haven't seen it in God probably ten years, and I forgot how funny it was, and just the energy in that movie is fantastic. It's it's fucking yeah. electric. And I have to say, the robbery slash chase scene that occurs uh, about halfway through mm-hmm. Raising the Arizona. Be- yeah, with the diapers. Better than anything in Predator by a country mile. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So uh, that pretty much wraps it up for us this week. Um, if you want to do us a solid, and I'm sure you do after this insightful conversation, there is a link in this very podcast in the description. You can. There's a link to buy Sean Jack's pizza. There's another link that goes to our iTunes page. And you can go to our iTunes page, and you can give us five stars on a written review, and that helps out a lot because it makes us more visible. The more five-star reviews we have and the more visible we are, the more shit that we can do for you. And that's important, dear listener. So make sure you do that. Also, if you want to hit us up at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter, or you can email us. We love getting email. It's lovely. Uh, that's... Optimismvaccine at gmail.com. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Steve Cuff. That's Steve C U F F. Adam Myros doesn't have a fucking Twitter, so fuck him. Sean, where, where are you on Twitter? At Mr. Glynis. All right. And uh, Jake, where are you at? I'm at Jake Tropila. T R O P I L A. You better be. And Jack, where are you? I am at Real Jack Eason. Beautiful. Thank you, gentlemen, for this lovely evening and discussion of pizza. And uh, Adam Myros is trash because he won't respect the Jacks. Jake, last word is yours. Why don't you take out the trash, Steve? Steve.